0: Hey there, welcome to this excellent church. We believe the word of God is the charter of our lives and God's way to reshape values and reconcile men to himself. We hope this message brings edification, exhortation and comfort.
1: Be blessed. Long time no see. I think we did, um, I can remember when last we took John, but it feels like a while, right? Um, so I, I I would be taking some Wednesdays, although we're already half of the year. I'm supposed to be taking at least one Wednesday every month, right? Um, and so what I decided to do was I wanted us to go through the book of John. And this is June, and we're in John 2. Hallelujah, Hosanna. Thank God that the, world, the, the Bible is not going to delete after in December. So it's not as if we are rushing anywhere. Or Do you people have somewhere to go to? Are people going to Mars? Well, there's no Bible. Don't worry, the Bible is here with us. Um, but we started out with the introduction of John. We went through John. Um, um John's Gospels, like I'd said, is one that I love so much because it's it's one that really speaks to the divinity of Jesus. He gives a depth that, like, no one, I'm not trying to say it's better than the others, but he brings a certain depth to the divinity of Jesus. Um, we went through John 1. I think about three Sundays I can't remember it's like three or so um, and now we're in John 2 we also went through some context around John who is the brother of James right d what's you people's name again sons of thunder he was referred to as sons of thunder right um and then he also calls himself the the, the disciple whom Jesus loves <laughs> So, um, in John 1, we went through his powerful introduction of Jesus as um, the Word and then we ended it with the disciples who followed Jesus and uh, um, we spoke about John the Baptist as well. So now, this is the first sign, it's funny that he didn't use the word miracle, this is the first sign that Jesus did um, um, according to scriptures. And this particular one, <laughs> trust me, you don't, know, you don't know how I'm going to take service today, so just follow me, right? This particular sign is a very beautiful one that has also been the, one of the precursors to, what I call it, I'm not, I don't have that kind of energy to be shouting heresy up and down. But it's also one of the signs that we used to have a very funny segue in the body of Christ, where we now have the worship, or sorry, they don't say worship, the veneration of Mary, the mother of God. So in this particular sign, miracle that Jesus did, he started with, um, Jesus went for a wedding. And it's so beautiful that of all the signs that Jesus could do first, he did it where? which is trying to tell you that you should all go and get, not get married. Yes. I know Paul said what he said, but Jesus did miracle at the wedding. And guess what? Of all the miracles to do at the wedding, he did not heal the sick or raise the dead. What did he do? He gave them fruit juice. He gave them his fruit juice that he gave them, right? And he gave them how many gallons? How many of those things did he say he filled to the brim? Six stone water jars, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. 20 to 30 gallons is, is like 75 liters. If you want to know what 75 liters look like, how many of you know that yellow cake? That's 25 liters, right? So three of that to give you 75 liters times how many? What were they drinking in that wedding? Why did they need that much um, fruit juice in the wedding? Six gallons times 75 liters. Come on, right? Um so that also tells you something but let's go back a bit this particular one jesus said from verse four um so the wedding took place jesus mother was the person that started it and said he came to meet him he did not, she can't say that she did not say anything all she said to him was they have no more wine that was all she said and he too understood what she was asking for. They didn't need to talk so much. He said, Woman, why do you involve me? Quick caveat. The way you read woman, why do you involve me? Please don't read it with your 21st century mind. He didn't, it wasn't insulting in any way. Because if I ask you something, I come and tell me, woman, why do you my first my head first do 360 degree turn around before no, don't read it that way. In fact, you would see that in verse 19 of this same, same um book jesus also called mary woman in fact he never called her mary or mother he called her woman where he said woman these are your sons when he was on the cross same way he called woman the syrophoenician woman woman different places the woman at um uh the well called her woman so it's not derogatory so don't think of it the way you think of it it was it's not mother right but at the same time it doesn't mean anything insult it's just what it is woman some people have said it's almost likened to saying mom or madam or something like that so it's not de- derogatory in any way and then jesus says woman why do you involve me now remember that every time Peter has taught us that when we see jesus asking people questions it's not because he doesn't know the answer so it shouldn't now be as if jesus did not know something Mary now came to open and reveal something to Jesus that Jesus did not know because no 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 let's not carry it too far um one of the things that we've learned is when Jesus says things like this it's an introduction we see that it's a sign that there's more to come so as much as um Jesus replied and said my hour has not yet come right it's not that Mary twisted jesus hand and made him do something he would. and you see why this is important because people have taken this to mean that the blessed mary can you can go to her and she will go and get jesus to do, please to do what he didn't want to do so please let's be calming down right we know that every time jesus asks questions um in the gospels is an introduction for more let me preach what a man of God preached in. That's two Sundays ago when he wasn't around. When he was talking about faith, and he gave different examples of how we see faith in the scripture. One of the examples he gave was that of the Syrophoenician woman where um Jesus told her, and we said that Jesus never told her no, but he just told her that um, he asked her a question, and she answered. In this same vein, he didn't say, No, he just asked a question and that was an introduction for Mary to also push a little bit and using her faith to get what God actually wanted to achieve at this particular um, event. Because when we go down, we'll see that in verse 11, it tells you here, John tells you that what, what Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory. So we see here that the purpose that God wanted to achieve through this particular event was that he was going to reveal his glory and his disciples believed in him and his disciples believed in him. This is the second time that we're seeing in John and we'll see it many more times where they'll say Jesus did something and his disciples believed in him. And that is also instructive because you would think that to believe in somebody, you just need to believe once. But see how many things that had to be done. When you read the book of John, you will see how many things were done. The signs, the signs. Jesus will also ask them, do you still doubt me? You'll do another one, then they'll believe in him. Do you, do you, do that? In, in your journey of deepening your faith, in your journey of conviction, don't ever, what's the word, beat yourselves down when you hear something the first time and you don't, you don't feel like you have that deep conviction that you should. This is just chapter 2 and we've already seen and the disciples believed in him twice. You would have thought that Jesus doing it once is enough for them to have. No, not necessarily. In the journey of faith that we we are going through as believers, there are many situations, there are many times you read the scriptures and there's a way the light of the scriptures will come into you and your own story will be, and Ijoma believed in him. And Ijoma believed in him. So don't ever flog yourself for being like, oh, and it's the same reason why some people... Just by stop, just by them stop by stopping to do some acts, you see that their faith will begin to. It's not that they didn't believe, but there's something about the way our life is as man. You have to stay with the word, you have to stay with God, and you have to keep believing in Him. You have to keep exposing yourself to the truth of God's word, and you have to keep believing in Him. Okay, so we see that that's why Jesus did this sign, right? And then yes, He says. Um, do whatever he tells you, and things like that. So let's go a bit to this beautiful blessed woman called Mary, right? Um, and today's segue, we're going to find out more a little bit about Mary and how Mary has now been taken by some sect in the body of Christ today. So in the funny thing is that in other books of the Bible, they call her Mary. But in John, he never uses the word Mary. He uses, John either refers to her as the mother of Jesus or Jesus says woman and things like that. And what do we know about Mary? Let's quickly go to Luke chapter 1. This is a long read but let's read from our'll speed read from verse I want to jump to where Mary met Elizabeth so we all know the we all know the story of Jesus's conception right but do you want me to recap it for you we know it okay so um, Luke chapter 1 verse 39 at, at that time Mary got ready and hurried down to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so, viv- so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that- who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promise to her. And Mary said, "My soul glorifies the Lord." So we see Mary here, the um, we know that Jesus came from the Virgin Mary. There was the conception of Jesus. And that's where we hear of this is the first introduction we hear of Mary when the angel Gabriel, not, I'm not talking about this particular scripture, but the first introduction we hear of Mary is when the angel Gabriel came to her and said, blessed are you amongst women; the virgin shall conceive and know and this thing like that. And then the way John introduces Mary in his own gospels is by the wedding um, of turning water into wine and things like that. But over the years, right, um, in trying to understand who Mary is, a lot of error has come. And now we have what we have, what we call Marian doctrines or Mariology and the study of Mary and different things. Particularly, um, there's something called the four Mariology dogmas. And people who have ever been, maybe were Catholics before or who are very familiar might know what I'm talking about. And these four dogmas, let me just say it, but I'm going to go through some history. To tell you how we got here, these four dogmas one says the divine motherhood, right, which is that Mary's divine motherhood was proclaimed at the Council of Ephesus, Uh, perpetual virginity, which means that she's an ever virgin or simply Mary the Virgin, right. Then there's the Immaculate Conception, which means that the most blessed Virgin Mary, from the first moment of her own conception, um, by the grace and privilege of the Almighty God, was kept free of every stain of original sin. And there's the assumption, right, which claims that, um, which is different from the ascension, which is what happened to Jesus Christ, but the assumption claims that um, Mary, the mother of God, after finishing her course of life on earth, was taken up in body and soul to the heavenly glory. So she didn't die like y'all are going to die, right? and so I want, to, I want to take us on a quick journey, and we're going to learn from this journey of how, from this introduction of Mary that we've seen in John and in other parts of the scripture, somehow the world came to these conclusions of things like that and things that we can learn so that we don't make that mistake, right? So um, in the early church, right, we know, like I said, aside from the scriptures, in fact, in the epistles, the only place where there's any reference made to the mother of God is in Galatians, and we can read it, um, four verse four, where he says, Um, he, he sent his son born of a woman, so that's where he refers to an actual woman that's the woman that gave birth to Jesus. But somewhere along the line, right, um, we know that Jesus came, we believed Jesus came, and then, but then the church now started asking questions around, okay, now that Jesus has come. Who is, this? who is the person that brought Jesus, his mother? And who is the person that murdered my mother, <laughs> right? And we now still coming up with different, people now start coming up with different thoughts, different expositions, different systematizations, different, you know, and then we go to where we are. But let's start from the early church and their understanding of um, Mary. Right. So the very, the earliest document or one of the earliest mentions, right, was in the second century when Irenaeus um, likened Mary to the second eve. And again, like I said, you see, as we go through this, you see all the lessons to be learned. Why did he begin to liken Mary to the second eve? Um, there was a part, I believe, is in uh, Corinthians where Paul was writing and he, like, he said Jesus was the second Adam. And so the question and the exposition that people said during that, okay, if there's a second Adam, the way there's a second Adam, there should be a second Eve. And as there was a second Eve, who is the second Eve? Who is the closest person? It's the mother, the mothered <laughs> right. So he now said that just the same way, um, that same, what would I call it now, parallel, that called Jesus the second Adam. By that same thing, we can say that um Mary is the second Eve. And before you roll your eyes, right, the, I, which is what I want to really hamper down today. Before you roll your eyes, some of these things, by the time you begin to listen to how they systematized it, it will look like the thing is wants to, you know, add together. But you need to be very careful. You need to be very careful. And this is why we must always stick to the truth of God's word and never be. Like this has been doing some series of itchy ears, you need to be very careful never to be segued out of things that you don't need to hear. So you would think that, okay, um, that doesn't make sense. But then when you go into Galatians and you see that the scripture says that um he will bruise his feet and she will watch crush his head. The now says saying that the same way the second Adam came to do this is the same way the second Eve came to. Crush his head. You've seen the first one. First one was the parallel. The second one was to go to Galatians. Then you now start seeing other scriptures like in Revelation, where it speaks about the woman's, the, the woman in the cloud of sun and things like that. You know what? Let's read some of these scriptures. Let's go to let's start from Genesis 3, verse 15. So people in trying to understand who this Mary was, like I said, began to systematize. So starting from 14, so the Lord God said to the serpents, because you have done this, custer you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman. Remember I said that Jesus did not refer to her as mother, but as what? Woman. That was another parallel was drawn because Jesus called her woman all the time. And we see here he also used the word woman some people will tell you that the reason why Jesus didn't call her like that was because he was trying to show you that she's the woman that was spoken about here. But, <laughs> so he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. To the woman he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe with painful labor you will give birth to children, you desire to be for your household, and this and all of that. So from this particular um, verse, this was one of the first times where we started seeing that the same way Paul drew parallel to the second Adam, from this verse 15, where he says, I will put an enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers, right, that this is the second Eve. Okay? Um, So that was one of the first things. So that was in second century. Um... Where he said that, and what was he saying? Irenaeus called Mary the second Eve because through Mary and her willing acceptance of God's choice, God undid the harm that was done through Eve's choice to eat the forbidden fruit. So you can see how parallels are drawing. And here is the thing that I realized as I was doing this um, research. Some of those things to themselves, they would have found that it was, maybe they thought it was like really intelligent, right? It felt like they were cooking something and that's the thing about human beings i i don't believe that in our day and age we are more intelligent than people of those times i don't believe that in a day and age we are doing something or we are seeing something that we've never seen before in fact you people don't even have time to do theology i hope you know you are working nine to five but a lot of people that did not have the kind of work you were working they had enough leisure to go and cook and do you understand do things very well and they were closer to traditions then So sometimes when you see the details in which they used to cook, you'll be like, wow, oh Lord, right? And so um, after this, we now see that the earliest recorded prayer to Mary was in 318, right? Um, And then from there, we just kept seeing the parallels. Now, let me quickly pause and say something. The things that we see when I read the four dogmas about Mary and talks about the veneration of Mary that we see Actually, the cooking of that thing did not start today. This, like this thing I just told you about the drawing of parallels, started. This is second century, but this is 21st century. And what now happened was over the years, over the years, over the years, they, it was it just took one by one, one by one, and then now we've gotten to where we are, right? You've you've heard us use use the analogy before, called um, one minute past 12. What one minute past 12 means, if you look at your clock 12 o'clock that's those of you that are not using digital work, clock uh watch analog watch that is not showing zero one dot dot if you look at your clock 12 o'clock is like this once the minute hand goes one minute past 12 is like this now if somebody is going the direction of 12 o'clock and someone is going the direction of one minute past 12 they'll be going together let's say they are walking two kilometers mm. Two meters. It still looks as if they are close to each other. But by the time they walk two kilometers, you will find that one is here and the other one is here. But it started from one minute past 12. Right? And that's why Paul will tell you that if anybody preaches anything outside this gospel, let him be accursed. Because you will not know. You will will start by trying to give some kind of high-sounding revelation or you will start by trying to say something really smart or by trying to appeal to... Do you understand? And before you know it, two kilometers down the line, some people will take what you started and give it and cook it in such a way that it cannot now be uncooked, which is the dangers in some of the things that we do. right? So, Like I said, the earliest known prayer was now in 300 AD. And that was prayer to the Virgin. Then in the 5th century, uh, the Third Ecumenical Council debated the question of whether Mary should be referred to as Theotokos or Christotokos, right? Now, one means, Theotokos means God-bearer, right? Christotokos means Christ-bearer. So let me just use those two before my tongue will fall out, right? So they debated it. And these two things mean two very separate things. God-bearer, and It means two very separate things, but this particular debate, it wasn't just about Mary, but it was also about the nature of Jesus. So the first one, which talks of God-bearer, was trying to say that, see, Jesus was not two separate persons. He was 100% God, 100% man. Whereas the second one was saying that, yes, Christ was, it said that there were two different personalities of Jesus now right there was god and then when jesus came he kind of split, and then was jesus and he was now saying that mary was only the mother of jesus when he came on earth he wasn't she wasn't the mother of god so here is the funny thing they were trying to debate a deeper doctrinal issue of the nature of christ but mary was somewhere in that debate and them saying that Jesus Christ, them reconciling who Jesus is in the sense that Jesus is 100% God, 100% man, what now forced them to make that conclusion that because of that Mary is the mother of God. And that was where second part of the parallel started because that was the second conclusion they made that made people start drawing other conclusions because if you say a woman is the mother of God, what manner of woman is this woman? Do you understand? So, let me take it again, because it's the same image I looked at it. It started with, remember, there are two definitions. Um, God-bearer or Christ-bearer. Let me read it to you this way. So, God-bearer or mother of God, its use implies that Jesus, to whom Mary gave birth, is truly God and man in one person. Whereas, Christ-bearer or mother of the Messiah, um, kind of deny Jesus divinity but because they believed that God the son or logos existed before a time and before Mary and that Mary was the mother of only Jesus as a human so in, in in a way it said that Jesus was two separate persons and in him the flesh was kind of like a temporary person on his time on earth right um so that was what the debate was so calling her the mother of God or calling her the mother of Christ, people were now arguing that you can't call her the mother of of God is heretical. Whereas people were arguing, no, you can't call her the mother of Christ because you are separating Jesus and things like that. Now, both sides agrees that both side agreed that Jesus took divinity from God. So this is where Mary came. They agreed that Jesus took divinity from God, but that his humanity he took from his mother. So the majority of the council agreed that denying Mary the the title Theotokos would either imply that Jesus was not divine or that Jesus had two separate personhood, one of whom was son of Mary and the other was not. Ultimately, the council affirmed that the use of the title Theotokos and by doing so affirmed Jesus undivided divinity and humanity. And so the issue was debated at the church council in Ephesus in AD 431 which affirmed the Nicene Creed. Because if they were going to affirm the Nicene Creed, they couldn't say Christotokos. Do you understand? So so hold this one in your pocket. Because like I said, the thing was just cooking and cooking and cooking. So thus, while the debate was over, the proper title of Mary was primarily a Christological question about the nature of Jesus Christ. Right? So... Now, let's move to the Middle Ages. So, the earlier church had a lot of all those beliefs. That was where their beliefs started and stopped. But now, the belief in the assumption of Mary, and if you remember when I read the four dogmas, assumption of Mary is that Jesus, uh, that Mary did not die, but that somehow she was taken to heaven. Now, they're gaining widespread popularity in the 6th century. Right? And then, they're bringing more champions of Marian devotion to the fore. Because like I said, by the time you begin to take some of these things to the logical conclusion and then the reason why I wanted to go this direction was because this particular um, sign that Jesus did of turning water into wine and the part that Mary played in it was also the beginning of when you tell someone that first and foremost this Mary is the mother of God and then you see what she did here, you will now interpret it to mean that you can now always go to her to ask her to help you ask her son. You not know, Yale and Mama Yad, and tell her that you know And It now caused a lot of issues. And so this period brought me, I'm talking of Middle Ages now, he brought a lot of major champions into Marian devotion. And then the doctrine of a holy or immaculate conception was first formulated in this particular century. Um, it was first formulated in a tract by Idma a companion and biographer of St. Aslem, Arch- Archbishop of Canterbury. And then it and, yeah, and became popularized by the Archbishop's nephew. And just like I read, the Immaculate Conception is the theory that the Virgin Mary was free from original sin. Enter the second one, original sin. So the second one, this one of the other dogmas that became popular about Mary was actually a conversation about original sin was actually an argument about original sin right and what the Immaculate Conception says is that they believe that the Virgin Mary was free from original sin from the moment of her conception and then theologians kept debating it until like the 18th century And so it was rejected and agreed by some people. Um, I'm trying to, I want to read the two sides of the debate on original sin. Yeah, so the real debate against it was obviously all have sinned, right? We see that from scriptures, and there are many other scriptures and things like that. But the other people who were debating for it were like, what are you talking about? This is the God-bearer, this is the mother of God. So the mother of God, sin can someone that has sin cannot bear someone that doesn't have sin, and they didn't understand how it was possible. So they were saying that the conclusion, therefore, is if she's the mother of God, right? if we see all of all these things that we that have been said from the beginning, then that means she also didn't have sin. She must have also been perfect. In fact, they also take some of the scriptures like when the angel Gabriel came and announced and said, blessed are thou Mary, you are full of grace. And they said, no, she's full of grace. So she did not have sin. Yes, right? So um, those are part of the different scriptures that they put in place. But there was the argument of Oga people who believed in original sin could not take that because they had to be like all have sinned and so those that were saying that no she had not sinned said that it was one of two things one was either as a result of a perfect redemption given to her on account of her special role in history and this is where people begin to add to scripture because i don't know what scripture they saw that that they said cooking that so that was one of the things that people said i was it was given to her as a result of her of her special role in history and so because of that she was without sin another person said that um there's a saying i think it's in latin portrait something which said god could do it and it was fitting that he did it and so he did it right and that was his own reason that because of that god did it and cleansed of original sin um there was there were all manner of analogies some will say that um um god saved her before she could ever sin because he knew what he was going to do in fact one of the funny other um, parallels that was drawn was and a quick segue but before i tell you this one by the time i tell you we see how a lot of the things that we have done and thank god we've repented of especially in this part of the world especially with misinterpreting the old testament It's it's all fun and games until years from now, we start hearing no manner of funny doctrines come out of it. Some of the, another argument that they used was that, again, in drawing parallels, in drawing parallels, they said the same way, in fact, they took this one from Hebrew, right? The same way the ark, they drew a parallel between Mary and the ark of the covenant. In that when you read the, okay, let's go to Hebrew chapter nine, verse four. Okay, so um, from verse 3, behind the second curtain was a room called the Most Holy Place, which had the golden altar of incense and the gold-covered ark of the covenant. This ark contained the gold jar of manna, Aaron's staff that had bodied, and the stone tablets of the covenant. So um, they said these three things. By the time you look at it, because the Old Testament were types and shadows, we see that these three things that, we're, that we have here is, number one, um, the gold jar of manna. Jesus is the bread of life. Um, Aaron's staff that had bodied. I can't remember what they likened to that. And then the third one, of course, the tablet of covenant is the new covenant. So they said because Jesus embodied all three of these and he was carried in an ark, such as the ark of the covenant, right? That is why she was without sin. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: so you can see some liking, likeness to how people are saying things like someone has a secret weapon to kill God and things like this. This is where they start cooking from. They start saying funny things like this because they want to make a particular case. And then years down the line, people who genuinely believe it take it to one form of logical conclusion or the other. Right? So that's how, these are part of the things that they use to um, liken all of this. So yeah, so that's where the doctrine of Immaculate Conception started from. Um, and uh, to wrap up this service, these four things, we are going to, of course, debate it and dispute it from scriptures together. So I want to be sure that we are all on the same page in case there's anybody here praying to Mary. Right. Um, And now we go into the Renaissance and Baroque ages. Right. Um, We now saw that as time was going, there was still more effective spirituality influence still given to Mariology and it grew over the ages. In fact, if you see a lot of the paintings and Renaissance paintings, it was around this age. There's so many um, paintings, drawings, books, things like that where you see. Mary. In fact, um I think they said that Muhammad um, of Islam religion believed that the Trinity was God the Father, God the Son, and Mary, because in, in that particular time some of those things were very vividly preached um, to people and things like that. Um, and so in the fall of Constantinople in 1453 many orthodox monks fled to the west and they also carried some of these traditions with them and started spreading it. They carried the traditions of iconography and of course with iconography um, there are depictions of the Madonna which is Mary and things like that. In fact there is some particular depiction where we see um, um, the picture of Mary with a gold crown on her head and different stars and um holding the baby jesus that particular picture might look as it looks innocent to you but they actually took it from scripture from revelation um there's let's let's go to it i think that's revelations chapter um, chapter 11 where he spoke about the woman with clothes in the sun and they said of course that's mary and so that's where they got the inspiration to paint some of those pictures that we see around and look so innocent So, Revelation 12, verse 1, right? um, It says, a great sign appeared in heaven, the woman clothed with sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. So, that picture of the woman with, um, what's it called? With a crown of, clothed with sun, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. Those pictures now start becoming even more popular and popular because, again, they said, this was Mary. And so we had paintings and then we had all these iconographies begin to spread to other parts um, of the world now the protestant reformation enters the charts and of course roman catholic Mariology came under attack as being came under attack as being sacrilegious and superstitious right but here is the funny thing um luther actually still maintained that jesus mary was the mother of god and actually believed in the perpetual virginity and immaculate conception. Uh, that was Luther. Years later, Calvin also believed that. Right. So let me just quote it. Calvin that of course she was the mother of God because you can't deny that because of the arguments of theotokos. But in the same letter, in, an, in the same letter where he was writing to people about this particular issue. Um, Calvin also rejected the use of the term Mother of God as a common title, which which can be used to designate Mary in any sermons. He wrote that I cannot think such language, either right or becoming or suitable, Right that, that to call the Virgin Mary the Mother of God can only serve to confirm the ignorance in their superstitions. And so, of course, he believed in the doctrine of original sin. So that one also cancelled any kind of immaculate conception. So he didn't believe that. Now, in this particular age, Protestant reformers destroyed a lot of the religious art and Marian statues. So that means that even the ones that we are seeing today is not the full one that was there because they still destroyed a lot. They destroyed a lot of all those um, type of things. First and foremost, because they were like, even looking at the Ten Commandments, this is given idol worship and things like that um so they they burnt and destroyed some of all those things um and within that same age they were different they were let me not make it sound like it was a lot there were the wars that were fought in the name of the virgin mary and here's the funny thing there were even sects that's the ottoman war they said that they they claimed that it was fought in the name of the virgin mary there were even sects even catholic church that fought each other again on this same conversation about um, Mary's Immaculate Conception, and things like that. And so they were, in, in France, they were the Jansenists who combated, uh, let me see, I can't remember the name, I think Scormi- Scottist and Thomists, they actually fought each other, Christians now, who were fighting each other on top of this same doctrine of Immaculate Conception. Um, they say it caused some some sort of some sort of virtual civil war between these two um, particular sects. Now, um, during the enli- Enlightenment and nineteenth century, right again, Mariology and Catholic Catholicism had to be put on defense because, of course, there was the Enlightenment. People um, came up with all manner of different things, and they now had to keep defending this theology. Nevertheless, there were a lot of churches that were built, or what are called Marian churches. Those types of churches are built with a lot of symbols um, of Mary. There were a lot of Marian sects, cults that kept praying to her. Um, and then the 19th century in particular, like I said, all of these things were built into the ages. And then it was instead becoming systematized. And then the 19th century was dominated with discussions about the dogmatic definitions of the Immaculate Conception. Um, And that was part of the things that the first Vatican Council also um, discussed. Um, So I think in, let me see, it was in 1849 really that the dogma on Mary's Immaculate Conception was now actually systematized and written um, that was the one I read to you, where he says, We declare, pronounce, and define that the doctrine which holds that the most blessed Virgin Mary, in the first instance of our conception by a singular grace and privilege granted by the Almighty God, in the view of the merits of Jesus the Savior, was preserved from all stain of original sin. Um, and then over the years, over the years, I'm just going to rush because I want us to discuss as well. Um, let me see. Over the years we kept it kept growing, and then we now had the four dogmas that I read. And so we see. So let me let me just stop here, and then we, we have these four dogmas still today. Now, Catholics will tell you that they don't worship Mary, but here is the funny thing: if it smells like if it looks like when you taste it, if it tastes like then what is it? Right? Um, so two things. The first one is, I, the reason why I went through this history was I wanted to just show you what the logical conclusion of some errors that we play with can get to. That's the first part. And then some of these things, if you've ever come across people who actually believe in things like that, like praying to Mary to pray to God, the kind of conviction that they hold to some of these things, right, sometimes can get you scared, which is why I want us to debate on but yeah, let's check where are you people really believe some of these things. What are the scripture pieces you can use for and against some of these things? On the other end, in a bit to correct um, wrong doctrine taken too far, some people, you can now discount Mary. Because like we read from the scripture in John 2, we saw the part that Mary played. This woman actually bore our, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Right, and there's a lot to be learned about her obedience, about her grace, about her faith. Right, as we saw, her even um, portray this faith in this wedding. There's a lot to be learned about it, but the problem is this: you cannot take it to an. Let me even call it an illogical conclusion. Here, yeah. we will learn from her obedience. We we'll learn from her faith, but you have to be careful not to turn it into any kind of worship. Here is why it's dangerous. From scriptures we see that if anybody tries to add anything to the gospel and just trying to add just a little to make it a little more and um some of the things that some of the writings i came across always portrayed mary as full of grace full of truth just like in this and this particular miracle is what was used to say here's a picture that i usually paint jesus is the one that is like woman don't disturb me mary is the one that is like full of peace, full of truth, full of mercy. And they unknowingly make Jesus look like, quote-unquote, the tough guy and marry the nice one. And what you are doing is you are putting your own understanding of the relationship with your own mother or whatever it is, and you are now using it to apply it, which is very wrong. Because we know that Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, is a high priest that knows and understands everything that we are going to. You don't need to go to somebody to go to him. He's not far from you. So that's one of the biggest disservices that this particular doctrine has done because it has given you another one distance or one degree to be removed from your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That you can just get on your knees and pray to on your own. You don't need to go to anybody to go. And it's the same mindset with praying to saints to pray. You don't need to pray to anybody to pray to Jesus. There's no prayer they will pray for you that your mouth cannot pray for yourself. If you are looking for prayers to pray, go and pray the prayers that you see in the scriptures, but use your own mouth. To pray it. So some of these things might, might look and sound like, what's, the, what's there now? No, there's something there. God does not have a mother. And you don't need to add or to try and make the scriptures look nice and feel nice. You don't, God doesn't have a mother. And by doing things like this, you are beginning to add to the gospel. For salvation, you don't need another mediator. There's only one mediator between God and man. So those are things I'm already giving answers to some of the questions I want to ask you, right? But yeah, so for everything that we've learned in how the doctrine of Mariology has gotten us to where we are from scripture for the four different things I mentioned and where we got to, to where we are today. How will you, what do you believe and how will you defend it um, from scripture? And here is a funny thing. Before you think that, and uh, uh, now is obvious, let me just tell you that a lot of these theologians, Like I said, you you see that someone like Luther actually believed in Immaculate Conception. A lot of these people were very smart individuals who could actually defend their position. Ah, let me, I remembered one more, right, um, one more. Part of the dogmas, I think it was the fourth one, that they couldn't find any particular scripture to exactly state it, which is the assumption. Guess how they got it? Divine Revelation. So there are a lot of people. So people think that it's only in Pentecostalism that people hear. It's not though. So what happened was that over the years, a lot of people have been praying to Mary on things like this. would tell them that, we come and say that it was revealed to them in a vision. Or I'm trying to remember. There's a particular word they use for it. Apparition. That's the word I'm looking for. It was revealed to them in an apparition that Mary, there was an assumption of Mary that she did not die. And multiple people said it. And they still see the apparitions, right? And the Catholic Church has their methods of confirming apparitions. But they will tell you that you are not obliged to believe these things. But the last one of the assumption, there was no place in the scripture to defend it. But how it became mainstay was the fact that they said they saw multiple apparitions that people saw, right? Was what they used as the proof. Which now tells me... Um, Jesus said, Jesus said. Somebody came and told you that uh, something like that. And you said that my mother has one pastor in the village. He said and he did this thing. It's the same way. That's what I'm trying to tell you. people think you are different. You are not different. Some people have been seen since too and they said it's heavenly vision. It's just that they wore a different cloth when they were seeing. their own from what people are seen. It's the same thing. Uh, the Holy Spirit told me, what we've seen in the scripture, they are not made too. My man of God is a very. Do you understand? We pray for. It's not the same thing. It's the same way they entered this particular last one of Assumption. I just remember because you know all the others. I told you how they were drawing parallels and how they were using scripture, but this one. And it's very possible that some of the people who saw some of those things did because, if you think of the way they vet the apparitions, I'm very sure it's also very systematic. So I'm very sure that it's very possible that some of these people that saw this they might have seen visions that were correct. They might have seen things that were correct, and that's which is why they believed in the apparitions that they said they were doing, and they vetted it, and they now agreed as a dogma. When when they say something is a dogma, it's like an irrefutable fact. That's what they call dogmas. It now became a dogma that Mary didn't die, and there was the assumption, right? So let's um, go into scripture. And uh, what will I say? Debate. I want, to hear, I want to hear. your thoughts. Please, can I have another mic on these particular four things? Um, divine motherhood, right? Um, perpetual virginity. Oh, I didn't really talk about perpetual virginity. That means there's some people who believe that she, that after um, after Jesus, she did not give birth to any other. No, they say it's cousins. No, for real. They will say that his cousins, and some of these things are early, not even late heresies. They will tell you that those places that you see that she did not um, give birth. <laughs> she did not give birth. Then the Immaculate Conception, that one came closely after the doctrine of being the mother of God. We were saying she was without sin. Like I, I drew parallels with the Act of the covenant that someone with sin cannot carry the sinless Savior. And then there's the assumption, which I think is pretty easy. So I want to hear your thoughts. What do you people think about this? More um,
3: sophisticated is
1: that the fifth council was correct. The fifth council was correct. And the doctrine of.
3: of yeah. The autobus was correct. However, yeah. Mother was not (laughs) in Yes, we are going to say she's the mother of God because the Lord in the flesh. The Lord in the flesh was God. He was one person. One will go swayed by two aspects of his nature. It was one person. The moment you begin to believe that it was two people or something, going to be student. And like that. So yeah, I agree with uh, you the format that of However, the word must not make the word mean something that I love not. For example, you use someone as a surrogate for someone. The surrogate is the, Q, the uh, sorry the, uh, the <laughs> <course>. <laughs> is it yeah. was the genetic material was from somebody else. So, yes, the surrogate may work in a sense, but the original mother is also the mother in another sense. Now, in that, let's use a very funny scenario. Let's use a scenario where the surrogate is dead to someone on behalf of two people. And when those two people now, are that they somebody, somebody else adopts that. How many more of that is guys? Three! I do not know that. I did not know the rules. In the and yeah, so, in the same way, yes, the but there's no need to not So, I hope see this. i give Speaking about what, what saying, i think, um, I
4: think, think, I mean, think
3: everyone here has
2: encountered um, stretch, which does not mean the expressing of God to mean the thing that God doesn't care. Right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's the same thing when we stretch something that meant to be made into an extended place where it's meant to go because it sounds nice or because it has a logical function. Take from the first of the that to, and then that's it going on there.
4: I believe based on some scriptures, a scripture, and then inference that prior to that time, Jesus had been doing miracles, but it was private. Okay, because the whole just was born, he was born by. The Holy Spirit. Yeah. That means, that fact, I was it, He dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead. It was not by Jodah that the Spirit entered into him. No, it's the only descendant of him. him. Mm-hmm. That means he came from Mary's home so, with the full power of God. and have begun to show traits. And maybe, even in, I think John seven, his brother's him, You can't be doing your miracles privately. Your disciples are, are out go out in and show them through your miracle. That means, at home, they have been performing some small, miracles, however I want to In the temple, at 12 years old, they we were debating what a 50-year-old debate. meaning they had begun to show those signs but they were private. And, and I, the one I would infer is that at the time before maybe the maybe had told them, do something. I mean, you have this power now, do this thing. And, she told her about it. That was why she had the be able to those things. Whatever really it does.
1: Do it. So it's, 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 it, it cannot now be that she
4: was very influencing, the No, I believe it's
1: out of her experience with him in the past that she came up with her. Yeah. So that, that is key because one of the biggest um, uh, what's it called? One of the biggest justification of Mary as what is called mediatrix, which is the mediator, a kind of mediator is this particular scripture that people said Jesus didn't want to do something. Mary made Jesus do something that he's going to do. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. We marry all those together. What can he tell? If Jesus is the same as today, then that means Mary can still, yes, getting him to do. So you go through the mother when you can't talk to the person that wasn't, doesn't want to do what you need to do. Please, that's whoosh. I don't know how to, how how. Wrong that I can say it was very wrong.
5: Hey everybody. everybody. Um, I think um, these things we're hearing kind of fall into some of the was described as um, trying to flatten God. So it looks like um, because you, you know, when debates and arguments happen, it looks like you have to get somewhere or you have to come out with an answer. So if you don't have an answer, um, if you can't hold the paradox, for example, how is it that a simple woman bring forth the savior of the world so you don't want to hold that intention i just see that god does what he does and then you now find the so that we cop out what you want to have an answer and then you, you end up exactly you now end up stretching the narrative and then the second part again i think it follows from the first one is um finding how to say this word and to god mm. so you want you want god to be like like he wants his 1,000D view of things to fit into your 3D so much that you now come out with this. And the third one is that on that last point, it's very funny because when we would usually argue argue with people, I, I think um, um was saying today that there are some things that we, you know, that looks like it's the basic tenets of scripture that looks like some people are finding hard to grasp. And this is the point, you know, somebody claims, I mean, there's this movie that they just brought out about that father, I can't remember his name, I think watching the house, that he as well, apparently so yeah, father too. he saw a vision of, you know, Mary, and, uh, you know, that's how, same as, um, yeah, there's, there's another one as well, of the that was exercising that boy, uh, the Pope's exorcist as well, so all of them seem to have seen, you know, Mary appear to them, and that obviously proves, so, you know, usually, and I, and I think that it's a, I mean, just a tiny segue, it's a horrible argument for, you know, secessionism cessation, in a sense, where you feel like that because we don't, you know, overstretch what it means, you know, to see the miraculous, it now looks like perhaps we're not seeking more of God, you know, mm. we don't want to go far, we don't want to go deeper, we don't want to press, that kind of thing, it's that press that causes things this. You know, so and I, I was laughing at first, but now, it's very painful because feel like people hold on to these dogmas and you know things happen down the line and then you know, it continues and
1: then you know, I see more crazy about people. Yeah, That one of really trying to give God human attributes I think is one of the key ones because people want to think that God is behaving the way we behave. In the same way, if I want to get something to you and you can't do it, the way I go and meet Mommy Jide to beg her is the same way you need to meet Uh, Mommy Jesus, to beg her to do what you want to do. Like that is just trying to put human understanding of how to do things on God and is totally not needed. Again, like I said, you might use your mouth and say, I'm not taking glory away from Jesus. But by the time you begin to do things like this, why can't you go to Jesus on your own? And I think it's also the wrong teaching of who Jesus is that will make people feel way more comfortable with praying to Jesus' mother, than praying to Jesus. like It's obviously wrong teaching to think that you need another person. I mean, Jesus came on earth to break down all of all these things, but you still feel that that itself is, is, is evidence of wrong teaching on, on things like that. So yes, that's, that's very key. I want to say something.
4: Yeah, I
3: want to say that the, the, even the idea that um, Mary must have been immaculately conceived is actually kind of illogical because it leads to an infinite regress.
1: Oh yes, I, I forgot to say that yes. because there was also the story and the heresy that came. There was a book called the Book of the Gospel of James or so, where there was a story of Mary's mother, yes, Lord. called Anna. Yes, and funny fun fact, they said when Luther had, um, I think it's accident or something like that, I think he fell or something like that, that he actually prayed to Saint Anna, which is Mary's mother, to save him. So there are actually people who also pray to Mary's mother because they believe that. For Mary to be sinless, she was also kind of immaculately conceived. Yes, but no. they did not tell us about Mary's mother's mother. Just no, the
3: minute, so. because if 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 the argument is that for you to carry Jesus, who was immaculately conceived, you yourself was immaculately conceived, then Eve was immaculately conceived, and all the women in this world are are without sin because you have to keep going back and back and back
1: and Sorry, back. as you've said it, I want to say something else. And the reason I want to say something else is because you would think that this argument is not what people have said. This thing you said about Eve also brought, there was a conversation, I went down a rabbit hole, where Eve before the fall without sin is the same way you can liken that it's possible that Mary was without sin. Those are some of the parallels that were also drawn.
3: Jesus was um, a holy seed. Jesus was the holy seed, and it's just that simple. There is no need for Mary to be marked well, for to been conceived. That that received grace. That even makes it, it makes it kind of legalistic. The fact that she blessed you among women and you are full of grace is because she was righteous. It even sounds funny, you know. So she received the grace and the honor to bear the Lord as a surrogate because because of the grace of God. Yeah because of the mercy of God, you know. That's number one. Number two, Ireneus had, was onto something by trying to say that Eve was kind of like um, a a substance of what um, um, rather, sorry, maybe was a substance of what Eve was foreshadowing and everything. But this is why I believe so much now more and more that the Protestant Reformation was actually a kind of renewal because what we are doing What we do, what we did a lot is actually trying to get back to the basics of what the apostolic tradition was in the first century. The truth is that, as far as we can tell from the scriptures, the real substance of Mary is the church. Mm -hmm. It's the church. That's why Paul prayed in Romans chapter 16, speaking to the church, that the God of peace will crush Satan under your head shortly. The church is the bride of Christ. If Jesus was the first Adam, then the church was the second Eve. And that's why... Paul prayed that the church that will crush the head of Satan. So, um, if we're looking for the substance and all that. So, what Irenaeus must have been seeing, like many things that happened because of Irenaeus' ideas and all that, at the time, must have been trying to explain that, okay, um, because of what Eve did, the Lord came and the Lord crushed the head of Satan. In a sense, do you understand that? But if we want to put things properly, if we want to be particular, the second Eve, should be the church the church yeah because it is the church that likes doing things that is pleasing his own eyes it's the church that is seed, not adam in, in many states, if you want to start drawing those parallels the start, parallel start, you start, you start is more adam like the be, church yeah, exactly so I, mean, I don't get it so i'm sure irena was was trying to think in a particular way but they want to speak particularly no the church the the church is the bride of christ you understand know
1: yeah so this one is my last question to you guys. Um, Dr. Fermi, you can answer, but this is my question to you guys. So after Dr. Fermi, I need you guys to start thinking about it, right? What kind of guardrails do you think you need to put in place so that your children's children will not have doctrine according to GD? Right? And the reason why I'm asking this question, like I said, if you notice, some of these things started with other core issues. There was the issue of the person of Jesus, there was the issue of the doctrine of original sin, and then other things came on top of it. Some of these things started with good intentions, but we are where we are. So it's something that needs us to think about. How do you make sure that you don't go unknowingly looking for itchy ears, looking for solutions? Because truthfully speaking, when when you now get to the emotional part of this thing and the pastoral part of this thing, there are a lot of people that have all these apparitions and all of this who will tell you that no, they can never let go of the Virgin Mary because when they pray to her, their things were met. They will tell you things like she's the one person who understands them and a lot of emotional things. So, from an emotional point of view, there's a what's it called? There's a danger. From an intellectual point of view, there's a danger. So the question to I have and I I want to hear you guys' feedback. What kind of guardrails do you put in place? But Dr. Femi, you have the mic. Mm-hmm. What are the,
2: I are a and the question really is of the first of the of the first the first of the first of the of the first to what extent. of the first of to to the first the first
1: he said ah yes wait Jesus Jesus because I said this is your mother your son yeah. this is your mother Jesus to this is this is your mother
2: just to say John, Mary is your mother, like, maybe your mother. And then it seems to be that the conception of what I'm doing is something that mm. uh, we I, I, I don't want to I don't know yet to the boundary uh, to stop it, but I, I think that there was have been a really high
1: conceptual uh, in
2: the jump for Jesus to accept
1: the
2: that would be
1: one of the reasons why a lot of the Oh, no, de- definitely. I, I remember that uh, those are one of the scriptures that they used to say, Mary, the mother of God, the mother of the church, the mother of us all. Because those are the full titles. There's plenty. There's mother of us all. And part of the things to say, Mary is the mother of us all, is because Jesus said to John, This is your mother. And we know that Peter, James, John, they started the church. So that means she's mother of the church. And that means she's mother of us all. So those are part of, that's how they cooked that one. Too.
3: Okay, for me, I think solar scriptura, scriptural highest above every other tradition. I don't think John is equal to the church. I think what was happening there was something more personal. I think it's the reason why when John was going to refer to Mary, he referred to her differently than how the other gospel writers referred to her. There was something personal there. Obviously, the Lord gave a, a, a special affection to Mary because there's only one person that bore the Lord of the flesh, and that's Mary. And so the Lord living living us in the flesh and telling the youngest disciple who was also going to die last among all of them that this is your mother. It's like saying, Yeah, I mean, I'm reading like maybe it's like I'm reading a Yoruba man, but someone is about to die. And you say, Take care of yeah, it just means to me, as far as I can tell, is take care of him, and you know, do you understand? Take care of her as I'm living and let him take care of you. Simple. I don't think it's deeper than I don't think John equals to the whole church. You know, message. I don't think that is that. And, you know, if he if was that deep, if it was deeper than that, it would, be, it would be like an argument from silence, so let me not go that far. But I think that's the line. I think the boundary is the fact that Mary brought the Lord in the flesh. Mary was special in that sense. No other human being, no other existing person will ever have that privilege. Or being called the one that brought the Lord in the flesh. Right? But even that status is by the grace of God. Yeah. It's because God was good to her. So it doesn't make her fundamentally special in herself. But it's a comment on God's sovereignty at the end of the day. It doesn't make her fundamentally special. So what that just tells us is that the limit is she's special. We can learn a lot from her life. We can learn a lot from her conduct. We can look at her and See a lot of things, you can see the power of God and the grace of God, what God can do in a man's life, but that's the answer. doesn't go beyond that.
1: Okay. All right. Judah, remember I have a question for you
2: people be Jesus. We possibly to me really techniques for the na- 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 about na- 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 just na- You na- 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 the I said it was God our God it was that we were angry from Jesus and we were fighting the past that tried to come again from Jesus. In order to see that God will come in the future, we got our new before him. And so you see that we are in to prove that Jesus is not a pastor. Concept. So, that's a good idea. Of do that. It doesn't mean it It's not about And no one touches you. Like, so, now, when you to our thing, are come to what the church is about, what even need I mm. so, mm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. of the night that what marriage And that be there was that we go each and we there's no, like I said, I said, I can't mean, it. the I should remember it for It a And as I knew, I said, it was I think it what doesn't speak to, after
3: as dogma, or what people, or, or what do you mean? You mean that there is no dogma that says that because there are people that believe it yeah, too. There yeah, are people. people that believe that.
1: Yeah. yeah.
4: Okay. As a new counsel. Okay. So you get a lot of money from sales. Okay. is not Now, of
2: course, mark. There is no unified among church Now, I know that the Latin may be really. Their works were not to so sick, it, it. It was very, very disobedient. When they disobedient, very, difficult. Because the were trying Second, society. yeah. Another choice, this is to have a choice for for this to become opinion, yes. So just You just are just the, we are the going to you are to be able are be able to be to be to be to to be able to be able to to that the no
1: it's a dogma immaculate yeah. conception is the dogma it's now a dogma okay we are talking of church fathers ah, okay no so you know that's what I was saying that over the years you see where people started something it stopped, start stop people you can see the origin of some of the things that they took to get to these four dogmas at the end of the day the, as of today right these are the four dogmas that have been set the immaculate conception perpetual virginity mother of god and assumption
2: they have to the church. And this is what the church another person, not to the church fathers.
1: You want to go to the Vatican and tell them? <laughs> I say it's the Our <laughs> <laughs> fifth, fifth century was still earlier. So let me ask you this question now because that's the second question I asked, and we're already um out of time. You you mentioned something about the reformers going back to as close to what the church fathers in fact for wherever they wanted to take tradition, they tried to go as close to what the church fathers had said. But remember I said that some of these things, when you even begin to talk to some of these people, they were also quote some of these same church fathers. That's, that's the point I'm trying to make, uh, that you will see the origin of some of these things that they now took one minute past 12 and took it to another logical conclusion. What guardrails can we put in place? Because like I said, some of the people that make these, these, these com, um, conclusions, they don't have two heads. They actually look the way we look. They, some of them who think, some of them are very intelligent, some of them are very emotionally aware, but they come up with all manner of funny <coughs> conclusions and they can prove it to you, quote and unquote, from scriptures and from church fathers. That's the question I want to ask. Yeah.
3: May I believe very much in Sola Scriptura. Sola Scriptura, the apostolic teaching, the church is built on the apostles and the prophets. Sola Scriptura, teach the, what, whatever is not taught by the Bible should not be believed, it should not be considered a product. That's number one. Whenever we're in doubt about what the apostles meant, we ask those closest to them for their interpretation. By the time we do that, there's hardly any issue that we can dispute. If there's any issue that we're in doubt about what they meant, those that were closest to them will ask them what the apostles taught them and what they interpreted. Well, by the time we do that, there will hardly be any issue that, um, you know, that this All traditions are not equal. And I know that, uh, what do you call it... Um, um, people they call Christocentric people, hyper-grace people always try to stroman this point. Not all traditions are equal. Mm. All traditions are not equal. The Bible itself is actually tradition. People don't realize this. The Bible didn't drop from heaven. The Bible itself is tradition. We put the canon together based on what the earliest Traditions were what did the apostles teach? Do you understand that? So, the Bible itself is tradition, so but the Bible is the earliest tradition, the most trustworthy tradition, that's why we trust it. So, that is that is number one, guardrail. Number two, guardrail is that supernatural supernatural experiences are not proofs of God's validation, they are not. A supernatural experience doesn't mean that God is there. Supernatural experiences doesn't, don't mean that God is there. This is the number one play of every false prophet. This is the number one play of every false prophet. This is the number one play where Satan wants to come. The Bible tells in Matthew chapter 28 that in the last days, false prophets are going to come and they will even deceive the elect. That means that if whom the elect, some of them will be deceived by this kind of experiences. Supernatural, ex- people need to understand that there is the supernatural level And God, in his wisdom, has permitted certain entities, apart from himself, to be able to do non-physicalistic things. So he has permitted some of these other entities to be able to do non-physicalistic or non-materialistic things. So these guys can play in that realm that will look supernatural to us. Demons can play in that realm. And all those kinds of things can happen, you know. At the same time, there's even another level, that's even one level, the fact that demons are playing. There's actually another level, which is God's common grace, God's prevenience grace. God can supernaturally give common grace to all humans. And the fact that God's common grace is released, whereby something happens in our lives by this common grace, supernatural common grace, does not mean that God is happy with the sin that is happening in that place. For example, a lot of Moses will tell you that something happened, they prayed and we were tough situation, and something good happened for them. There's does not mean it was a demon that did it. Is. It's called common grace. It's called common grace. God actually, God is good. It's called common grace. God can supernaturally actually help him lose the life I mean And it is to say, if there's any God out there, just save me. I've not heard this before. Yeah. If there's any God out there, please just save me and have mercy on me. Don't let me enter this situation. And the person will know that the way they came out of that situation was not human; was not but It's God. It's called the goodness of God, you know. So the fact that if you guys have heard the story of a of a Muslim that Bishop Obaleke talks about, uh, a Muslim that was came from crusade and God healed that, and afterwards, and they say, come and give testimony. They say, ah, thank you very much. She say, you give it up to Christ. Now she said, no, we are a Muslim. Thank you, God, very much for what He has done. What back to him. It's called called common grace. It's called the goodness of God. So, that itself also is not a validation of the evil of people's hearts. At the end of the day, everything boils down to what does the Bible say? What did the prophets say? What did the apostles teach? That's what everything boils down to.
2: That's
3: what I'll say. I know you guys have other thoughts.
1: Thank you, sir. Dr. Femi, you want to say something? So, we'll go Judah, Femi, Paul, so that we can close.
2: What I want to say is, first of all, so, uh, the very that uh, I think of these questions So, are of not that we are mm. Because for most of them, it, it's not because of how, since so it is because of how reasonable it is to be able to. And I think that the
1: they the intellectuals, to But there
2: is were as fact. really teach most times. They were always, the read from most times, where they to so, there are the area of sometimes you go extreme. So, you have the read origins of this where he fought the and came up with special, I mean, I really the doctrine of freedom. And took this question. And I can read and see, God is it was not writing, was you need to do I do when mean, you're I reading, mean, really mean, us, and you can't get it. Mostly compare to We the other To do what we are sitting, we need someone who is in trouble. That's we the, to the Not see a in Because that the to and we can do is to say, without permission, which is why in the middle this people who are people to just what uh, The church has always had It's not a environment that the church have just confessionals they Don't
1: have a told you we don't have confessionals. <laughs> Isaiah 60 <laughs> 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 Asha, yeah. just, uh, we'll I'm joking though please that this <laughs> but let's so it's okay i know i, I made a joke but just to be clear when we say confessionals right what we mean by confessionals are things that clearly articulate our belief on yeah. a particular that's what he that's what he means by confessionals so that you don't think that confessionals is um, the wealth of the nations are coming to me that that's my confessions no there's difference between that, so don't be thinking that I have confessions so by confessionals there. Yeah, there are some specific confessionals. There's like the one we take every Sunday, the Nicene Creed, there's um um Atanasius Creed, there's there a number of them like that. So those are the specific ones that we mean by um confessionals. Yeah. Yes. I want to so come and yeah, I want to come and,
2: and, and, food,
1: and wants to recoup what you didn't
2: right. say. Yeah. yeah. I say, so the same <laughs> How do do have, do you have own
1: Confessionals.
2: Confessionals.
1: Right. So I understand Thank you. Are we going to do our own confessional?
2: Every professional, is not one person's life. It's not one like, person. It's, it's not like that it's less, you are afraid It's not It's like like
1: Okay, so to recap what you said, um, one. so you spoke about how not to misinterpret the church fathers by taking an incomplete statement or taking something where they were arguing against one heresy as the entire um, dogma of what they were saying, one, two, if we stick to confessionals in its entirety, Right, and um, again, remember we're talking guardrails, um, and then to also bear in mind that some of these funny doctrines came out of people's dishonest and personal um, interest, and that's the truth of the matter. But the time you read on this, you hear the political undertones to some of these things. Um, it's it's a very booming industry, the Marian industry. I tell you, booming. <laughs> right, the amount of um, pilgrimages that some of these people have every year and things like that. So. You can see why some of those funny things might be consistently done. But Paul, please, before we
0: wrap up. Good evening, everyone. Right. So I was talking with my younger brother um, recently and so this question is quite practicable as to God's steps we can put against things like that. And I noticed um, for the average Christian reading his Bible today, many of these things come up in times of chaos, where yeah. you know, your back is against the wall or something suddenly happened and you're trying to make sense of it. Really? And I think in times like that, any scripture can look like anything because your eyes are not really seen clear. Yeah. So um, what I told him, and which I think is now a God step for me is, um, I and mean, there's the empathetic side to it, right? It's like people could be going through a lot and you really need help at this point. So what I tell him, What I told you is, you know, just go directly to what you're looking for. Like, if you're looking for um, maybe help from God, you know, look for a scripture that talks extensively on help, especially when some other scriptures are looking like, oh, they are talking about this, or they may not be saying this. So, just go as direct as possible and look for the most extensive verse or chapter or book that talks about that. And I think. Um, yeah you know these believers will be safe, that way
1: yeah and this thing you said right is also because here's the other part that like like i was trying to explain with the emotional side of it. people are going through stuff and when people are going through things when you are in the thick of the reality of what you are going through that might not be the time that people have the patience or even have the mindset to sit down and listen to things and so you can have people that will come to them at that particular point in time and tell them nonsense that if you give me money i will give you christ and and things like that and so that's how a lot of people might have also been led astray which is which will actually bring me to what funny enough i was going to say as we wrapped up today the reason why we are doing this bible study Bible study might look like it's boring. It might look like it's not whipping you up. You know, the Lord says, you're going to, I'm not going to, you know. There's a name, whipping, right? It might look like we're just steadily going and taking and why why are we going to the history? Why do I need to? Sometimes you need to be reminded that, number one, the things that you are seeing today is not today. There's no new heresy. You need to be reminded of the reason why you need to stick to the scripture. I like point he just made because it's going to help me really bring out my point it is in these boring seemingly flat sessions where we are using all our easy words and we're bringing out and we're talking of church fathers and we're saying all these big things you would think that things like this might not make you feel a certain way but when you begin to appreciate the scriptures and you begin to appreciate the work that God has done It's building your faith steadily, I promise you. It's building your faith steadily. It's not in the day of adversity that you will now want to start digging deep in that particular day in the storm. That's not how life works. So when we come for Bible study and we have things like this, it might just look like it's flat. It might just look like, what am I here for? What am I doing this? No, you need to understand that you have to take that... You have to take that honor and that appreciation for god's word that's what it should do it should make you want to go back and read these things want to go back to this scripture and understand it one of the major things i wanted us to understand today which is what p sam said is how to actually read the scriptures in the right way so that people don't come to you with wise sounding fables and funny different dogmas and begin to whip you up this way because you have you know solidly sunk your feet into God's word, right? So I think we can wrap up there. we're ready.
4: Thank you for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. For more updates on our programs and audio messages, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at This Excellent Church. God bless you.